Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth. Since 1868, member FDIC. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 10th, five minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So about half of the United States are going to increase their minimum wage this year. 22 of those increases went into effect already January 1st, and there's three more states which are going to implement new minimum wages throughout the year. But there are still 20 states which have kept the federal minimum wage at $7.25, and Indiana is one of those states. It is amazing what an assault on freedom and liberty the left takes with this minimum wage stuff. Because what the minimum wage is saying to average people, regular people, is that you are too stupid to negotiate your own deal. They are saying to you that if you're willing to do a job, because that's what that's what a wage is, it is the value of your time. And they are saying that if you value your time, you cannot value your time at $6.50 an hour. You must value your time at $7.25. And that is an assault on freedom and liberty because I should be able to put whatever value on my time that I want. Also, of course, there's the reality that when you, there is not, businesses are not the federal government, they can't print money. There's only so much money in the pool. And when you force people to pay more money than a job would otherwise pay or what they could get the job to pay, they will simply eliminate the amount of people that they are paying. See fast food restaurants. Mm-hmm. Every Almost every single McDonald's you walk into, now what? It's a kiosk. You don't order at the register anymore. It's a kiosk. How many jobs have been eliminated because McDonald's was like, yeah, that's cute. You want it to be $15 an hour. You know how much a kiosk is an hour? Zero dollars <laughs> an sure. hour. So this never works. It never creates better lives for people. It just simply eliminates the amount of jobs that are available. And I say this as a as a small, uh, a small somebody who for a very long time earned their living owning small businesses. It does not create wealth. It does not lift people up. It simply eliminates the amount of jobs available. Well, and you look at fair market value of what is your worth. And if you can consider traditional service jobs, and you mentioned McDonald's, that rate has already been raised due to what the market will pay for. And so we've got Josh Lowry, who's running for Congress in Indiana in District 24, and he is calling so he's for... So well, he's, he's running for state. For state, for he's state not, not yes. running for the U.S. Congress. Yes, in Indiana District 24. And he's calling for the minimum wage to be raised here in Indiana. But my question is, who is this for? Because who is paying that little of minimum wage at this point? Nationally, only 1.4% make minimum minimum wage. Yeah, that's a great point, Casey, which is who is actually working these minimum wage jobs? And more importantly, what's the ramification of eliminating the minimum wage job? If you've got one and a half percent of the population or whatever that number is Mm -hmm. that are working that job, there is a good chance that job exists because they're willing to do it for that. They're not people that are, you know, 
the reality is most jobs pay well above the minimum wage, the over as the statistic shows. But we're not even talking like, well, most jobs pay $8 an hour. I would guess the majority of jobs pay $10 an hour or up now. And many, many jobs are already at this. And where did they come up with 15? Mm -hmm. This magical number of 15. They pulled it out of their ass, Casey. That's mm -hmm. where it came from. It's totally made up. It's totally made up. And I can't begin to tell you the amount of damage you would do to the economy if you forced every single person to be paid $15 an hour. Well, look at what's happening in California where they have raised the minimum wage and people are complaining because they're paying $20 or $30 for a fast food meal. Well, that's what happens because those businesses are just going to turn it over to the customer. So it was at a Fox News town hall. Nikki Haley was the, uh, the guest of that oh, I, can, can you can you think of any like if i told you casey you have to take the snow shovel that's in your garage and bash yourself in the head with it or watch an entire nikki haley <laughs> town hall which one are you going to choose well you know what because i get paid to watch nikki haley i'm going to pick that one but she was asked the question about inflation and minimum wage and her answer was to blast republicans and spending my question is inflation is soaring and multiple states are implementing higher minimum wages, which will only exacerbate cost of goods and job growth even more. What can you realistically do as president to combat this, or is there no going back? There's going back. They just may not like the going back and what that looks like. I mean, first of all, you look, and as much as I would love to say Biden did this to us, our Republicans did this to us too. I mean, you look back at that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill that they passed with no accountability. We now have 80 million Americans on Medicaid, 42 million Americans on food stamps. That's a third of our country. And did Republicans try and make it right? Nope. They opened up earmarks and pet projects for the first time in 10 years, pushing through 7,000 of them last December. Want to know how they spent your money? $30 million on an honors college in Vermont. 10 million to tear down a hotel in Alaska, seven and a half million on a courthouse in Colorado. And the list goes on. In the 2024 appropriations budget, Republicans put in $7.4 billion worth of pet projects and earmarks. Democrats put in $2.8 billion. So now you tell me who the big spenders are. Mm. Uh, hey, good on her. Yeah, for, for pointing that out. Absolutely. Yeah. And now maybe, you know, people get really angry with me when I tell people what that this is happening. So maybe now they'll just be angry with her. We think he that is the reality of it and good on her for for saying what the truth, which is when it comes to spending, the Republicans in many instances are far more egregious than the Democrats. They just do something worse, which is they lie to you about it. At least the Democrats are honest and tell you what they're doing. Plenty of blame to go around uh, for all of the federal spending. But obviously, the next question for Nikki Haley, who wants to be our president, has to be, OK, but what is your plan for this? And here is her answer. Stimuluses never work. Debt never works. Everybody talks about how great the economy was under Trump. But at what cost? He put us $8 trillion in debt in just four years. Our kids will never forgive us for that. That's not how you improve an economy. What we will do is we will stop the spending, we'll stop the borrowing, we'll eliminate the earmarks, and I'll veto any spending bill that doesn't take us back to pre-COVID levels. We will go and take as many federal programs as we can and send them down to the state level. That will reduce the size of the federal government, but it will empower people on the ground. 
the problem is she doesn't say the magic word which it words which is you're going to have to shut the government down if you are unprepared to sh- shut the government down you will never accomplish any of this because the only bullet in the chamber mm-hmm. that will have any impact whatsoever is shutting the government down and making these people feel some pain now as the president you would actually have a lot more power because anything you veto, it requires two-thirds majority to over override. So the answer is, and the answer of somebody you know is serious about this would be, I am willing to shut the government down to get this spending under control. Nobody believes that she's willing to do that. She says the right things. She's right on the things she's saying. But it's just like Suzanne Crouch with the income tax. Mm -hmm. Nobody believes you're actually serious about that. That's just election rhetoric. I thought it was really interesting that she mentioned about the spending under Donald Trump's watch. Obviously, she has uh, an ulterior motive to beat him in the election. Sure. But you don't hear a lot of people, aside from Rob Kendall, pointing that out. So uh, so real quick, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's that's an interesting point. And I always, you know, I'm very modest, Casey. Mm -hmm. And so when you point out, when you use words like, pioneer and visionary and words like that i you know i i'm i'm just i am hesitant to take uh-huh. you know the credit the al- for those sort of sure. things but it, it's a conversation we've had many times on the show and i still can't get my head around it on i get why people are still with trump mm-hmm. i get that people believe the election was stolen and you know believe all these egregious things happen. i i get that but what i don't get is the refusal to even accept or hold, hold accountable the just horrific Things that Donald Trump did during COVID and what their check and balance is to ensure it doesn't happen again. It's like anytime you ask for, okay, I understand, Mr. or Mrs. Trump voter, I understand why you're doing this. However, what about these things over here? Doesn't matter. But you claim to abhor these things over here when Biden's doing the same things on the other side. Doesn't matter. And that is really scary to someone like me because there's no, no mechanism in place by which Donald Trump will be held to account to ensure the things that he did the last time, he won't do again. I would feel much better about voting for Donald Trump if someone who has some sort of influence or sway or whatever could say, here is the guardrails that are going to be put in place to ensure these establishment people aren't put in positions of, a, of immense authority again, and that the spending stuff and the growth of government stuff is going to be held in check. No one has offered any of that, and yet these people who are only Trumpers who otherwise who lose their minds when Biden does it when Trump does it just go mm-hmm. eh, oh well whatever it's, it's forgiven for Trump but not for yeah, others and that, that is unacceptable it's totally unacceptable the one thing that I find very interesting with Nikki Haley is she's saying all of these things like I'm going to cut the pet projects uh, you know that she is on board with sending hundreds of billion dollars to Ukraine of though. course that is, spending is not going to stop it's a total lie mm-hmm. Casey she's saying the right thing right and she's face to face with voters so of course she's going to tell them what they want to hear. Finally, uh, one last clip from Nikki Haley. She says that she wants to cut what? Gas tax and also put an accountant in the White House. We're going to go and eliminate the gas and diesel tax um, in this country. And then we're going to make sure we cut taxes on the middle class and simplify those brackets. And finally, we're going to make the small business tax cuts permanent. They made them temporary. They made the corporate tax cuts permanent. 
I grew up in a small business. Small businesses are the heartbeat of our economy. But we can't just say it, we have to prove it. So when we start to focus on the spending that's happening, and I will do it in every one of our agencies, is make sure we take them back to what their core mission is, get all these old programs down, get all this federal regulation down, get all of this extra bureaucracy down. That's how we will start to get our financial situation back on track. And that's why I think we need an accountant in the White House. Uh, let me I laugh when I hear this, though, because like I did this at a local level mm -hmm. and we're talking like a town of twenty five thousand people at the time. And let me tell you how hard it is to do at a local level. It was so exhausting to do this every day at a local level that I had to get out of it because I was going to die of a stroke or a heart attack before I turned 35 years old. It is laughable and totally disingenuous to suggest you are going to wave some sort of magic wand and the federal government is going to suddenly get into ship shape and, and just stand up straight and suddenly start making cuts. It would take a... a a, pre a president with a backbone and a dedication to, to, to responsible government far stronger than Nikki Haley. And most importantly, it would take majorities in the House and the Senate, mm -hmm. overwhelming majorities to do that. And there is not a, there, nothing the Republicans have done to show that. You're not going to get it from the Democrats. And you've got people like Todd Young who admitted to me, I'm, I'm never gonna keep stopping. On spending, yes, right. I'm never stopping. Because that's not all completely in Nikki Haley's control. She does say she wants to downsize the bloated uh, bureaucracies, but she doesn't want to completely eliminate the agencies like some of her competitors have said. You're, 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 you're never, you're never going to do this, Casey, through traditional legislative means. The only way that somebody could ever get federal spending under control is... Uh, an unwavering backbone to shut the federal government down and say, I don't care if this thing stays shut down for a year, two years, three years. That is the only way you will do it. And there's nobody running for president who's going to do that. Well, and I think one last interesting thing that she said is that she wants to put an accountant in the White House. Well, that sounds like that makes a whole lot of sense, right? You know who that person would be? That's just a fall guy. Yeah. That's who that yeah, is. Yeah, you're right. Is she an accountant? I don't believe so. So... Is she, is she married I, to one? She's saying that she wants to put somebody else oh, in the White House. Oh, I get it. She wants to, so she wants to downsize some agencies, oh, but she wants to grow. Oh, like living in the White House. I thought yeah. maybe she was like saying she was an accountant. I thought that's new to me. Although that probably wouldn't be the biggest lie that she, she's told on this <laughs> campaign. All right, we're going to talk about Eric Holcomb's State of the State Address <laughs> last night. It's 19 after <laughs> 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. After 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, we were talking about Nikki Haley moments ago where she says it's time to put an accountant in the White House. And she does have a finance degree from Clemson and has never held a certified public accountant license. And it's been reported <laughs> that she does, she has paid uh, thousands of dollars in penalties for her own personal taxes. Uh, okay, so she has a degree in, a, in accounting, basically, yeah. right? Okay, but she's never, to our knowledge, I mean, let's face it, she was, it has been so long since she would have had any sort of real job. I mean, 
Like I lo- she's a politician. That's right. Her that's, job. Her, that's her job. It wasn't. It was like when Donald Trump ran for president. It's okay. Donald Trump is a businessman who's running for president, as in like he is currently running and operating and owning businesses and golf courses and whatever. When was the last time Nikki Haley did any accounting? And as you pointed out, apparently is so bad at the accounting that she didn't file taxes properly or on time or whatever the reason was. But she owed, according to you, she owed money on her taxes. So that's, yeah, that's what it's being reported that I, she she had to pay. It's t- <laughs> I mean, okay, I was a uh, you know I played. Um, baseball in high school i'm not out there going it's time to put a baseball player in the white house i mean these people are gross casey (laughs) they're 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 gross they're just pathetic human beings okay so we were going to talk about eric holcomb and his state of the state address and we'll get to that in just a moment but i wanted to know if you saw this thing that happened out in las vegas you know they're having this big uh tech conference where they introduce all sorts of new products and lg and samsung have announced a plan to launch a fully transparent television oh they're saying that this is the next jump in tv tech what does that mean fully transparent you can see through the screen onto the other side why would i want to do that i apparently they think this is something you need what 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 possible i'm watching the thing on the screen why would i care what's behind the screen okay why do you need that well let's let them explain OLED TV is the perfect TV that liberates your space, and you're not giving up any of the stunning advantages of LG OLED. OLED T creates a sense of openness. The TV no longer has to dominate the room. This heightens the relationship between TV and the space it inhabits. For example, showcase digital art, videos, uh, visual aids and visual accents as part of your room's decor to elevate the aesthetics. Mm-hmm. OLED T also becomes an object of design. You can place it in locations unimaginable until now. <laughs> a modular solution that provides you with a variety of ways to install it seamlessly. And with the wireless Zero Connect box, there are no cables to fuss with wherever you place it. Yeah, no, no, thanks. Couldn't you just get a projector and project you, that Kevin. on a wall? Thanks, mm-hmm. Kevin. Thank you. I, I think it looks pretty cool, but I'm curious as to how much it is. And I do like the progress in television, I, you know, but they need to improve the programming. Um, so <laughs> you, you recall like 3, 3D TV was the next big thing that became a bust. But you do have HD and Letterbox, which have improved your television viewing experience. So pretty much it looks like a window uh-huh. that you can can look through yes and but then watch the video somebody said this years ago and it has totally come true that technology will reach a point where the good it provides is far exceeded by the danger it causes mm. and we have totally reached this this is I don't want any part of this. Kevin is 100% correct. They've had this technology since the 1950s. They're called projectors, and uh, the, it's already readily available. You, you like to get up out of your chair still and change the channel on the TV rather than use a I, remote. You still have the rabbit ears. You're putting tin foil up on your antenna. I would be, I would be just, I would be just fine. Like you know, again, tech, and when I think of LG, I didn't even know LG was still a thing. When I think of LG, remember the original cell phones, like in the mid 2000s, mm-hmm. where you'd open it up. And and you'd get the life's good uh, little disclaimer on the phone that would take nine minutes to load up. That's what I think. I didn't even know that was still a company. 
Yeah, it is. And apparently it is, and they're trying to destroy all of us. And they're introducing new products. All right, more from Eric Holcomb coming up next on 93 WIBC. Hey there, little red riding. He was addressing a joint session of the General Assembly. Eric Holcomb renewed his commitment to work for the state, quote, until the ultimate conclusion of my assigned duty. It is 1133 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Obviously, he can't run for re-election because Indiana law restricts governors from more than two consecutive terms. He has not announced what his plans are after he leaves office. You mean the next grift has not been decided upon yet. <laughs> That's what I mean. He was talking about a lot of things. He did not mention the uh, statewide masking. He did not mention any closing of businesses. He did not mention calling anybody a human Petri dish. He did not mention the billion dollar miscalculation of the uh, Medicaid. What he did mention was all of his accomplishments. We're now known for advanced manufacturing, for being a top 10 ag state, a leader in plant, animal, and life sciences, a top convention destination, a logistics and freight hub, a top state in the nation for infrastructure. And we're on the edge of collaborative R&D across artificial intelligence, semiconductors, data centers, hard tech corridors, nuclear medicine, and energy, and so much more. It's no surprise that Forbes ranked Indiana last year as the number one state in America to start a business. So first of all, the fact that he thinks Indiana's infrastructure is really good. Mm. Casey, you're the mm-hmm. voice of reason on this show. Mm-hmm. When you uh, when you drive the the various roadways mm-hmm. throughout. Uh, not looking good. No, is it not working out well for you? No, not looking so good. He thinks so it's good. great. Okay, so everything he talked about there. And you notice they never, they never, ever thank the taxpayers. Do you notice he acts as though, and all these politicians do this, as though this just happened on some ma- magic money tree that he grew out of the backyard at the governor's residence. They never say thank you. All of the stuff that he talked about it's there. It's like he made, waved a magic wand yes, and made happen. A, a, all of these businesses that have come here mm-hmm. haven't come here out of the goodness of their heart. They don't look at Indiana and go, gee, Beeb, this place looks like paradise lost. Let's find, let's, <laughs> let's, let's bring it back, baby. These companies who have come here have come here because of massive, massive, mm-hmm. Massive investment, freebies, handouts with your money, my money. That is why they're here. That is the reason they exist in Indiana. And he's right. Indiana has focused on enriching the rich. Indiana has focused on cutting corporate taxes so that rich mega corporations and the CEOs who run them, who donate huge money to Holcomb and these other politicians, can succeed. Absolutely. At every turn, you have gotten screwed, whether they take your money and give it to these corporations or they cut taxes from corporations and raise your taxes. You have gotten screwed so that Eric Holcomb can reshape what he and his donor and lobbyist and rich elite friends Mm -hmm. envision what Indiana should be. That was his measure of success. That was his mission. And by that standard, he has succeeded. The The people who pat him on the head and say, good boy, well done, sit, Ubu, sit, good dog, they think Eric Holcomb has done a phenomenal job with Indiana. You've gotten screwed. They've done well. So uh, at the end of the day, how is the state of the state? Of course, according to Eric Holcomb, it is strong. Since 2017, our GDP 
has grown by over $150 billion. Our private sector employment is up by 200,000 to an all-time high, while our unemployment rolls remain at historic lows. Our population is growing faster than every state we border. We paid down $4.5 billion in debt, returned $1.5 billion to taxpayers, all while maintaining prudent reserves to keep our AAA state credit all right, rating. Stop, 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 stop. stop. I'm going to start twitching and vibrating, and you know you know how I get. Okay, so the audacity of that guy, that guy, <laughs> to mention giving $1.5 billion back to taxpayers, mm-hmm. when that law was put in place under Mitch Daniels, and Holcomb and his goon Republican cronies changed the law so that in the future they wouldn't have to give you money back. They were irate that you got money back a couple of years ago, and they literally changed the law and then spent the money down to what they had changed the law to, to ensure you would never get the money again. This is why I I just have no respect for these people because all of this supposed investment and gross domestic product growth, it hasn't helped you a bit. They haven't given that money back to you. If they, that would be one thing, if they just said we're eliminating income tax and we're slashing property tax rates in half. Okay, cool. I welcome these companies to come on in. But all the growth of government does is they take that money and they put it in a pool to attract more big giant corporations, to attract more of his elitists, not even just out of state, but out of country friends. Remember, he waltzed out to the World Economic Forum mm-hmm. last year and palled around with Klaus Schwab and John Kerry and the rest of those guys. That is what he viewed Indiana as. Eric Holcomb is an elitist who looks down upon people. His whole life he has been centered, and he has been given approval by elitists who look down upon people. I would say good rinse, and I'm glad he's gone, but I'm not sure any of the five who are running for governor right now are going to be any better or any different. And at the end of the day, Casey, I blame the Republican Party because the Republican Party at every turn had the ability to stop Eric Holcomb. They had the ability to say, we are not doing this, whether it was shutting the state down, putting a million people out of work, trying to put you in jail for not wearing a mask, letting a domestic terrorist write part of the police reform bill, or any of the spending or taxes or any of it. And not only have they not stopped him, they have been the helping hand. They're, you have to lump them all together in this, Casey. Okay, so he also touched on the uh, salary increases for teachers, and he also announced a Lilly Endowment, which is making their single largest grant award in 86 oh. years, $250 million. Oh, would you, can we talk about that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So, that was one of the points when uh, they really gave a lot of applause, and yeah, he was actually well, pointing people out in the crowd. But again, Eli Lilly mm-hmm. is not the Wheeler Mission, or it's not the Salvation Army. Eli Lilly is a profit machine. And when you look at the amount of taxpayer money that has gone, your money, like physical money, look at what they just did in Boone County Mm -hmm. for the the amount of the massive taxpayer investment that went into Eli Lilly. Sure, it's a bargain for them. Eli Lilly does lots of charitable things, but it's easy to do charitable things when it's done on the backs of other people's money. That was a pittance for what they've gotten from the state of Indiana and how they profited off of being in, in Indiana, used and facilitated by other people's money. It's a great move for Eli Lilly. And you know who's going to help? The specific people that Eric Holcomb and the specific communities that play ball with Eric Holcomb and the Holcomb administration. That's where that money's going. Mm-hmm. They'll decide it. It's not like it's the ready grants. The grants come from the government. It's not like Lilly is just giving it to poor people. Holcomb and the establishment of the Republican Party will decide based 
based on what butt sniffers and ass kissers they like. That's where the money's going to go. When he was talking about infrastructure, uh, the audience kind of laughed when he said, finally, the I-69 corridor that connects Indy to Evansville will be finished. Finally. Uh, He also mentioned some of his goals, including a list of musts for the upcoming year, uh, part of his 24 agenda, improving third grade reading policies. Third graders can't even read, Casey! Well, and that's why they're announcing that a big swath of third graders in the great state of Indiana are going to be held back. Again, here's government for you. Let us shut down the schools, create the problem, and then we'll come to the rescue and fix it by keeping your third graders back. The Republicans have been in charge of education in the state for 20 years. So isn't that them telling on themselves? It is. but About they, their job performance? But it's apathy. They bank on the apathy of us. And look at the SEALs who clap in that room. You mm-hmm. have a room full of people who lap up whatever that guy says. And it's not going to change anytime soon. I've come to that reality. The people are too apathetic. They are too unwilling to fight. And look at, I mean, look at how they're manipulating the congressional races right now with Greggy and Larry, I mean, just magically quitting at the first of the year. They're, that is rigged. Look at all these people who quit in the middle of their term so that the party insiders can pick the replacements. Look at, I'm going to read you a quote. I'll do this real quick here because I know we're running out of time. There was a bill that was heard yesterday in committee on reform to alcohol. There's mm-hmm. a, there, again, once again, you want to look at the most corrupt laws in the state. It's on alcohol. And It is making a convoluted system, a corrupt system, even more convoluted and hard to understand. And Ethan Manning, who we've talked about him before and what a zero that guy is, who chairs the committee that heard the bill. Here's his quote, according to Indiana Capital Chronicle. Asked if it would further complicate framework, some on Tuesday called convoluted. Manning replied, sure, yeah, the whole thing is convoluted. It always has been. It probably always will be, will be if we're being totally realistic. Oh. That's your government. That is the Indiana Republican Party at work. That guy was just stupid enough to say it out loud. Well, it's dry January, but a whiskey festival has been announced coming to Indy, and we'll talk about that on the way. From 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Down for something brown? Boy, that is a very direct question, Casey. <laughs> that I feel could go in a variety of directions, but I know you could. I'm the adventurous <laughs> type, so hit me with it. Okay, I'm talking about whiskey. Now, I know you've given up caffeine for the month. Are you also giving yeah. up booze? Oh yeah, it's out. Okay, a- everything other than water for me. Well, maybe I might have a juice every now and then. I haven't decided yet, but sure. I'm going to try to just do water for the for the 21 days. Okay, well you're in luck though, because what I'm talking about is Indiana's biggest whiskey festival. Oh. It's coming to Indianapolis, but 
but not until March. Oh, how exciting. It is the Whiskey Riot Festival. Oh, wow. There's going to be over 200 local, regional, national, and international brands of whiskey. Oh, wow. People are going to be able to uh, enjoy all of these different kinds of liquors and meat the master distillers as uh, you know and and ask questions if you, if you were to yeah. talk to a whiskey distiller uh-huh. would you have any questions or would you just be like when do we drink it yeah how messed up does this get me i yeah. mean I, 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 we have no secrets on this show casey i think uh, our audience knows uh, over the course of my life i have uh, i have enjoyed my fair share of yeah. Of going out, uh, going out, and alcoholic beverages, mm-hmm. and all that that comes with that. I'm in a little different place at this point in my existence, so I'm not going to be some guy on a, a moral high horse or fib about what I was. I, I, I drank to have a good time, Casey. You, and I, you've had your share of whiskey. I mean, there, there are. Oh, I've had my fair share of everything, <laughs> Casey, and that is true in so many different areas of life. However, yeah. I will say I've never been a person like there are some people who are so into alcohol. Like, what is in this? What year was this made? Mm-hmm. How does this pour? How does this? My thing was, is it drinkable? What does it cost? And how many of these can I, can I get down? And so I have immense respect for it. Like, like a Tony Katz. Mm-hmm. This seems like a, I know he's bourbon. What is it? All whiskey is bourbon, but not all bourbon is whiskey. Something like is that. that. Or yeah. is it vice versa? Either way, he strikes me as the sort of guy who would be totally into this. And yeah. he would go and have a million questions and give a deep-seated opinion. on right. this. Like When I would go to Kilroy's and they had whatever it was, 40 flavors of, of Long Island. I would ask, what's in the thing, mm-hmm. right? What What is in the tie-dye or what is in the Tex-Mex? But I wouldn't get into an intricate discussion with the waitress or the bartender about, now, what what year was this vodka made? What brand of vodka is it? Mm-hmm. I, uh, what what type of tequila are you pouring in there? What region of Mexico is the agave <laughs> plant? Can I get messed up? Mm-hmm. What's the price? Mm-hmm. That all seems reasonable. Let's go! Okay, it's interesting that you mentioned Tony because when I saw this article, I actually thought of him because, uh, well, the tickets are $160 for oh. VIP tickets, oh, wow. and you know Tony Counts is a total oh, VIP. Yes, absolutely. But it includes a tasting hour plus a full dinner meal, which includes smoked beef brisket. Oh, wow. And I believe this is something that is right up Tony's alley, so he should just be like the host of it. Absolutely. (laughs) I think that's wonderful. And if you are one of these people who is super into the age and the the poor and the this and the that, have you... Okay, so can you tell... Now, I'm not... So we got the membership at Costco that I was telling you about. And, they and have you're a, drinking the Kirkland whiskey. Yeah, they have a fabulous, mm-hmm. it's Kirkland is the equivalent of like the Walmart brand or Sam's Club or whatever. Mm-hmm. And whether it's diapers or paper towels or bottled water or alcohol, the Kirkland stuff to me is every bit as good as the name brand stuff and it's a fraction of the price. Yep. Now, when you drink alcohol, so mm-hmm. like, can you tell, and I'm not talking like a very low brand, obviously there are some differences and it depends on the type of alcohol, et cetera. But I'm never a person that has been like, must have top shelf. Right. Not going to work for me if it's not the finest in the land. I, I, can you I, tell a difference? I mean, there's a like a limited, yeah, I guess that's my question to you because to me, 
I don't know, unless it's the very bottom rung and the very top, it all kind of goes the same. It all does the same. How about you? I don't really notice a difference with one exception, and I bet you can guess what it is. Wine. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell. Um, You know, my budget really affords me the box wine uh, or the cheap wine, but I do like a more expensive uh, glass of wine, and I can tell the difference with that. Now, what I will say is, like... uh, there was, a, and we used to talk about this quite a bit. The, those ninety nine, those bottle shots that I used to get. Those they were, called, I think they were called ninety nine, and they mm-hmm. were ninety nine proof, and they were different flavors. And you know, when you're consuming that, it's alcohol and, and pure a, sugar. Sugar, and so those things would mess you up mm-hmm. kind of quick. I think because of the sugar content. So I'm sure on the brands of alcohol, et cetera. Again, I am not an expert other than at drinking. I'm pretty good, mm-hmm. but. I would guess with those, you can probably definitely, t- the the sugar content, is there. there has to be a difference, but my wallet doesn't dictate that I can mandate much of a difference. The top shelf stuff. Now, since you've given up the booze for dry yeah. January, and I've given up the booze for longer than that, I'm wondering, do you notice a difference in your body? It's only been a few days, but can you tell? Well, okay. First of all, I don't drink nearly as much well, sure. as, as I used to. I mean, I you know maybe you're a little older and a father now. Well, right, and yeah. I I have started a new thing where I basically never drink outside of my home now. Me too. I've just I mean, I just do. I am not going to get caught in a situation. <laughs> if someone is going to arrest me, they're going to. It's earn not it. going to be for they're, drinking. They're going to earn it, right? Um. So, no, from that standpoint, because I've always, I'm kind of at this stage of my existence, become a controlled drinker person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's no longer you out with me, you out till three society. The caffeine, what I have noticed with cutting out the diet, because I drink, you will vouch for this, I drink a lot of Diet Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed that at like 10 o'clock, and this was about two nights in a row now that I've done this, it was like, ooh, I feel the sleepies coming yeah, on, yeah, and I'm thinking that's part of it. But I have noticed that um, I sleep a lot better. Yeah. Other than I have a baby that sometimes right. will well, alert me that it needs immediate attention. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and even if it is not immediate attention, in the baby's mind, it is immediate attention. Sure. But from the actual sleeping standpoint, unless you're being woke up, I've noticed I, I've slept better the last couple of nights. Well, that's good. I noticed the big thing that I've noticed uh, since I haven't been drinking the alcohol is the sleep. Yes, you do sleep better. But my skin seems yeah. to be a little bit better. And I don't know if that's the sugar, the booze, what it is, the effects on my liver, the rest of my body, but uh, it is definitely a health improvement. So my, I'm a realist, Casey, mm-hmm. and I recognized um, I have an addictive personality. <laughs> and, and as such, <laughs> I was never going to be able to like quit everything at one time. So my goal is I'm going to try to get through this week mm-hmm. and cut out, obviously make it and cut out the alcohol and the soda. Mm-hmm. Then... Next week, my goal is to cut out the sweets on top of that. Yep. And so by the third week, then I can start getting real adventurous with this diet and try to make some actual real physical type of of progress with this thing. I've cut out the sweets too, Rob, and I can tell you, well, I'm getting it naturally from fruit now. Oh, I thought you were going to say from your husband. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't have time for that conversation. Uh, That's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And we'll catch you back here tomorrow. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.